Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. another exciting episode of SFP now um, in this week leading up to the uh, Christmas holidays. Uh, pretty soon, probably on Tuesday, we're going to have our uh, Christmas special um, in which uh, we are joined by Mark's Pyle from Genretainment and Jeff Burns from the show Super Geeked Up. And we'll be talking about Christmas episodes of, of things as well as movies and, and stuff. And... Um, Probably in week leading up to New Year, we'll have our year in review show. Um, but before we get to that, um, got the last interview of the year, and it's with um, a singer songwriter by the name of Emily Hecht, who refers to her style of a song as nerd folk music. And you know, this was actually a fun one to do because Emily's a huge fan of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, was was brought up on Star Trek Voyager and uh, quite a few other things as well. So it was actually a, it was actually a fun one to do. Um, so without further ado, um, here's our final interview of uh, 2015 with Emily Hecht. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the show this week. Uh, we have Emily Hett, um, who's a um, singer-songwriter, um, and she, she she calls her genre of music nerd folk, um, or is that nerf? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Emily, welcome to the show. Uh, first off, I guess the first question I've got to ask is, you, you've kind of come from a background where you've studied at Harvard, and you've gone from studying at Harvard to, you know, becoming a singer-songwriter and um, actually working, you know, within the music industry. How, how did that all happen? It was a weird path. Um, I, I went to Harvard. I thought about going to conservatory schools or, or focusing purely on um, acting, which I think was sort of my earlier love, and also music. Uh, but I loved English literature, and I, I wanted to to expand those parts of my brain as well. So I chose Harvard, or I chose you know a liberal liberal arts school. Um, but music and and theater and, and art were always a huge part of my life at Harvard. I never stopped doing that. Actually, my first week at school, I met the the classmate who would later become my songwriting partner for a long time, Jim Shirey, who wrote um, my single with me, Impatient. Cool. So, um, you know, you, you call your genre of music, it's nerd folk. So it's pretty much inspired by, you know, it's inspired by things like Doctor Who. Star Trek, I mean, you got, you know, you got a song called Stolen, which very much sounded like it was, um, you know, inspired by the episode of The Doctor's Wife, where, where, where we get the, uh, we get the TARDIS avatar, as it were. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's funny, uh, it, it ranges, some of the music I, I consider sort of more just straight up indie pop, uh, but a lot of my songwriting starts from, from a story from a TV show or from a comic book or something like that, where that's where I get the, the emotional core of the song. Uh, I started writing music in online Tumblr communities. I started writing original music to share with my friends when we were talking about Doctor Who or Supernatural. I wanted to join that because there was so much cool fan music happening. I wanted to be a part of that. So actually, uh, I Stole You 
the Doctor's Wife song is the first song I ever wrote. That, that's the first one? Yeah, that's the first one. Because, you know, you're, the, the PR person that contacted me, that was like, like the main one he, he was focusing on. You know? <laughs> well, it's it's my nerd calling card right now. It's the it's the one that I have sort of the most ready for for the public, but also has sort of the most nerd heart to it. Uh, I've got some other stuff that's um, secretly based on God, the second Thor movie, one of them. Which who knew that would make music uh, and some uh, some supernatural stuff. And then I take the music I write sort of in those fandoms, and I tweak the language a little bit so it it can also be um, listened to by someone who's never watched those shows or doesn't know the reference points. Yeah, well, Supernatural has got a lot of great music to it already because it's on it like, you know, lot, lot of uh, 80s in, and, and 70s inspired uh, songs in, in, in that series. And um, yeah. at the end of every season, they, they have a... Um, you know, wayward sons. Oh man, every it gets me. It still gets me every time. Ten seasons in, every time they play "Carry On My Wayward Son," I just get. I go back to being like fifteen-year-old Emily, totally in love with Jensen Ackles, watching that show. Oh my, real such nostalgia. I'm just waiting for someone to write a song. You know that says, "You know, no, no longer needs carry on." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I have to go write that now. <laughs> there we go. You know, we have to end the interview now. I have, to, I have to go write that. You know, just stop my wayward son. Stop it <laughs> now. Just, just, just calm down. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that, you know, I'm just waiting for someone to do that, you know, and, and have that, you know, that'd be quite funny. <laughs> I, think, I honestly think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'll give you a writing credit. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's just song like um, there's there's all sorts of great music in that in, in that show and um, and and this is this is um, a phenomenal you know with, with television of like you know you song like you, where you used to have a soundtrack and or you used to have incidental music, you kind of have uh, people using songs now yeah. um, in 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 TV shows and, and stuff like that. Well, I. I, lo- I love that. I think that there's something happening in a lot of art forms right now where, where they're all combining and collaborating and, you know, video games have movie stars in them and, and TV shows have huge songs in them and, and comic books have non-comic book artists who are, or, or non-comic book writers who are coming into the form. It's a, it's a really cool time to be in the creative industry because you never know what's going to come next. You never know what weird mashup of genre and medium you might end up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 strange, you know, because I, I've been playing the uh, Star Wars Battlefront game all weekend. Oh, yeah? And, you know, when, when, when you've got the heroes on there, they're, they're coming up with all these really cheesy hero lines. <laughs> and you kind of sat there thinking, really, you know? Is that, is, that, is that all you've got? You know, I'm, I'm about to go out there and, and shoot a load of uh, stormtroopers or whatever, and that's all you've got, that cheesy line. <laughs> they need to hire those screenwriters. They need to get those Last of Last of Us. Is that the game I'm thinking of? Yeah, that, that's an awesome game. Yeah. I, I am not a huge gamer. Uh, I blame my parents because they never let me have a console growing up because they knew they would never see me again if mm. I ever got my hands on a console. They knew I would be on that console for the rest of my life. So they just stopped it before it started. Yeah, I, I'm plugged into it right now. So I can, <laughs> you know, so like I'm just going to, you know, kind of jacked into it and jacked into the computer and the phone, you know? So like yeah. all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of wires and stuff going on back here. <laughs> have cyborg at this point anyway yeah i, th- I think we're all bog <laughs> i'm kind of okay with it as long as you know we're the cute borg as long as we're the seven of nine borg i'm, I'm down mm. yeah i used to call her seven of mine oh my god <laughs> uh she was always my favorite i grew up watching voyager like the reruns on upn mm-hmm. um and i was so obsessed with her i thought she was the coolest yeah, I, I, I think I, the entrance point may have been slightly different. Uh huh. 
I, I, I literally liked Voyager. It gets, it gets a bad rap. I really liked Voyager. Mm, I am so like, um, I was kind of like, you know, here and there about it. I just think that, you know, your best, your best characters in it were really the Doctor. Mm. And, oh, and, love that and guy. Seven of Nine and um, and stuff like that. And and yeah. basically, you had you had the captain who couldn't make make up her mind whether she was actually in command or whether she was everyone's mother. <laughs> You know, and that's that kind of bugged me a little. I thought, you know, take control here and stop trying to play nursemaid to Harry Kim. And and why after why after seven years did Harry Kim not get a promotion? That's a really good point. I never thought about that. Oh, poor Harry Kim. And yet, two that got a promotion, and in the same space time, um, the 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 other guy, the the helmsman, he got demoted. And promoted again, sort of thing. And yet, poor Harry Kim, he was still only ensign after seven years. <laughs> you know? The, 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 the silent injustices of Star Trek Voyager that you just never think about. I, I, I just spot these things. I mean, my, my favourite... My my favorite Star Trek show is Deep Space Nine out of the modern series, mm-hmm. um, and I feel that Enterprise was given a pretty bad rap. I I tried to watch Enterprise. It just didn't. I don't know. It never hooked me. I think probably the sort of the the public and critical reception biased me a little bit because everyone was mocking it. Yeah. So much. Well, the you know the scenes where they're in the contamination chamber didn't really. Yeah, that it. wasn't great. That that drink didn't really do it any favors, and <laughs> and the marketing it saying it's going to be song like um, gritty and more real that didn't do any favors either. Well, so you can't say gritty and more real and then have like a male pregnancy with wrist nipples. Mm. Those you can't you can't do those both in the same. Five episodes. I don't think it works. Yeah, and you know the, the male pregnancy one. I got to admit that was pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. Um, but the last two seasons, well, I'll say the last season of it was when it was at its best. It was I gotta, be- I gotta get on that. I gotta go watch now. It's- I've got too much TV to watch. That's the problem. Mm. But the one, the one thing that didn't do do any favors as well was the um, horrible soundtrack. You know, Faith for the Heart. <laughs> And Russell Watson. Oh man! You know, great singer. Don't get don't get me wrong. He's a great singer, but you know that 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 whole for, for a Star Trek show. You know, it really needed uh, some frontier music. You know, a bit like what what Voyager and and uh, DS Nine had and stuff like that. Yeah, you need something epic. You know, it was like it was like they were trying to make a Star Trek, but ground it. You know, and and stuff like that, and it just didn't work. Yeah. When they try to reframe a, f- a franchise like that, it, it's really hard to, unless it's a reboot, you know, if you do the Battlestar thing where it's, it's not part of the same timeline, it's a, it's a new take on it. That makes sense. But when you do sort of, it's like when, when they did, um, Stargate universe and they were like, it's Stargate, but it's, it's sad Stargate. Yes. It's, uh, it's Stargate, Star Galactica. <laughs> Because of, because I, I grew up watching SG One. That was like my my mom and my show. We would watch that together. So I never got very interested in the universe because I was so loyal to the energy and the the idea of SG One in Atlantis. Yeah, I loved SG One. Um, I was kind of like. Um... A bit like Voyager and Atlantis, you know. Yeah. I felt that the um, the Tori Higginson again, you know, sort of like um, she just couldn't act. Oh. <laughs> she she grew on me. I, I I was not sold on her in the in the first bit, and then sort of by the end, by the time that she left, I was very sad to see her go. But I also. Um, I I connect very strongly to the, those female leaders. I get super excited whenever a sci-fi show has a really prominent female. Um, leader or a character who's who can take charge, like you know, like Sam Carter and SG One. Well, Sam I always Carter, get so excited for Sam, them. Sam Carter, absolutely. You know, I, I'm with you there. But um, with the with the leader in Stargate Universe, in Stargate Atlantis, sorry. Yeah, she just didn't strike me as very good in command, to be honest. You know, <laughs> you know, sort of like. Um, you know, if if she if she'd been good in command, she would have sort of like what was the name the the guy that did all the missions, the main guy, the the Jack John Shepard. Yeah, John Shepard. If she'd been in command, she would have snapped him down, you know, up the side, the back of the head, and singy sort of thing. <laughs> you know, she let that guy get away with way too much. Well, he's just so handsome. So what's what? the problem? So what? <laughs> no, I know I'm kidding. <laughs> Just look at that beautiful face, and you're like, just, just do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> okay. 
It's fine. Just go off, jump on the planet. Well, I've got to admit, it is getting better. You know, you know, so mm-hmm. like, um, I think, you know, Sam Carter in Stargate Universe was great. And also, um, when, 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 um, when she went on and did Dr. Hengen Magnus in, in Sanctuary. That Which was is one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm. I, there's something about all of the strange nonsense that that show did that kind that they made it work. Nikola Tesla, the vampire, I was all about it. Oh yeah. I mean that, you know, I'm, I'd love to hear some songs about Sanctuary. That'd be something cool. I need to start making a list. You're giving me such good ideas. Because, you know, Nick Matesna, the loneliness of being a vampire. Mm. Because, yeah, he was kind of an asshole. And it was a front. <laughs> but, poor, poor, sad baby Nikola Tesla vampire. And, you know, I also like the uh, the Jack the Ripper guy. I, I, I love that actor a lot. Christopher Hayward, also one of my favorite actors. Mm. You know, believe it or not, I interviewed most of the cast of that show, with the exception of him. Really? <laughs> yep. Just, just skipped over here at all. No, couldn't get hold of him. <laughs> He's busy. You know, you, you saw like the, <laughs> he was like the one, 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 one out of a lot of them that I couldn't get hold of. I, I actually got to interview Nick, you know, Amanda Tapping twice. <laughs> you know, which, um, which, which is crazy, really. But yeah, you know. But yeah, that 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 series would spoil a lot of great songs. I mean, you know, you got a lot of great themes. You know, you got the the whole steampunk thing going on. Yeah, I mean, what's 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 fun about what I'm what I write and what I'm doing is that sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's not very referency, but I always love um, because it comes from those stories a lot. You know, it, the images come really easily, and then. Um, it's fun to leave in a, a little reference that someone who loves Sanctuary would get, uh, and then and then have that connection with whoever is listening to it. You know, someone who listened to "I Still You" and he- heard that phrase and went, "Oh, of course, the Doctor's wife." That makes me feel like I have a connection with the person who's listening to it. That's very true, but the, by by the same token, with the with the "I Still You," you've not referenced Doctor Who in it once. There's no no mention of of the companions or or anything like that. It's just really, really clever. Oh, thank in, you. You know, because... well, there was an earlier version that was much more straightforward and referency. When I was just putting it online on Tumblr for um, for my friends, I actually, you know, I, I photoshopped a little album cover for the song with um, Iris on it, and 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 you know, shared it around with my friends on Tumblr, and then. When um, this original music thing became more central to my life, and I was thinking about my material, I, 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 you know, blurred out some of the references a little bit in a way that would make it make sense to people who haven't had the gl- the glory of Doctor Who in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of mainstreaming it a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, maybe I sold out, but you know, eh. eh you, you've not sold out. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Not yet. <laughs> I talk about comics too much to have sold out. Yeah, you can't really say you sold out until you've actually sold, um, you know, a quarter million records. And damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's true. I've sold out. I've sold out. Hopefully, I guess. <laughs> Just like waiting to sell out. So Just waiting to sell my soul for a for a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of music inspires you? Do you have any favorite music acts? Um, you know, song like rock pop, song like that that you like to listen to that kind of inspires you to write. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, a lot of the reactions I've gotten uh, recently about my music have have compared me to '90s girl rockers. You know, like the um, the Lisa Loeb's and the Liz Fairs and the Annie DeFranco's, like women in the '90s who were sort of making their own music. Alanis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really not what I've been listening to. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I listen to a lot of, um, I love Jack White. I love Dan Mangan. He's one of my favorites. I get really inspired by what Dan Mangan does with story and music together. The sort of the complexity of his concepts I find really amazing. Um, Cosmo Jarvis, referencing some of the slightly more obscure people that I'm into. Um, not stylistically, but I am utterly obsessed with Janelle Monet. Cool. Because, yeah, because she's able to take um, a, a narrative about, like, a, an android who's in love with a human and turn it into ridiculously good R&B and pop and soul and have people who have no interest in robots love it and then have people who are super interested in sci-fi get obsessed with all the little details and she's able to do those two things at the same time and i think that's incredible 
Ja, min egen uh, sin song of um, of Nash's solo material. You know, he's got a band now called Conspirators with Miles Kennedy doing the vocals. Yeah. You know, from Alter Bridge. So I'm missing, I'm missing some lot of that at the moment, and um, you know, um, bit of Zeppelin, Ned Zeppelin, of course, as always, of course, um, little bit of Bob Dylan, bit of Beatles, mm-hmm. bit of Rolling Stones, you know, you know, something like um, I'm kind of old school, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I don't go back nearly as much as I should. Uh, I grew up on Clapton with my parents, Clapton and Paul Simon, so I had a lot yeah. of that in my blood. Yeah, Clapton, I can play some of his riffs. Um, Although I'm not really a fan of his, to no? be honest. Nah. That's fair. Um, I guess I'm kind of like, um, from, from, from kind of like the blues perspective, I'm more towards sort of like the, the blues rock and roll type thing. And yet, funny enough, what I listen to isn't necessarily what I play when, when I'm doing my own stuff. The exact same thing happens to me. It happens to me, uh, I used to write plays a lot, and the plays I wrote were not the plays I necessarily wanted to watch. And it happens to me now. I mean, I, I, li- I, I like my own music, but it's not what I buy. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's, it's not at all what, what's on my, uh, on my playlists. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the piece of music I've written, which is my first piece of music, is called Into the Void. <laughs> Nice. You know that's the name of the name of it, um, and I've played around it. I played it to a few friends, and I've had mixed. I've had quite quite good response. As in, one person says, "Oh, it's kind of like a modern modern jazz," and another person says, "It sounds like something out of a Quentin Tarantino movie." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, "What?" Because I don't do lyrics. I'm just song like instrumental, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I'm going to take it into the studio on first day and completely ruin it. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I love that you're doing this website and these podcasts, and also you're like, just, I'm going to go into the studio on Thursday. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be cool. And, and so like, it's just so like I'm doing a lot of different music, and I'm, I'm, I'm still learning to play. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, I'm kind of creating while I'm learning. I mean, it completely blew my guitar teacher away a few, few, few months, you know, a few months back when yeah. I actually played in the swing that I'd recorded. And, you know, and he was kind of like kind of gobsmacked because he's not even taught me any guitar yet. I'm just playing it myself. You just, you just got it. <laughs> yeah. And I just saw sort of like figured, oh, well. You know, here's a chord. Oh, I'll just completely, you know, I'll completely take this chord apart and just play a few notes. Yeah. And, and that's really all it is. I mean, when you break it down, yeah, it's, 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 it, I think a lot of it depends on sort of how your brain works and, and how music makes sense to you. I, uh, I play the ukulele. Cool. I'm such a cliche. <laughs> 20-something in New York playing the ukulele. It's, it's, it's horrifying. But I, uh, I had to learn it for a play I was in. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the concept of chords and those chord charts, it doesn't actually really come that naturally to me. Music theory doesn't, doesn't come supernaturally to me. So learning the ukulele was not as easy for me as I think it would be for some people who, who can think about chords and, um, and notes in that, in that more mathematical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of muscle memory for me. It, it, it is. It's kind of like muscle memory and, um, I kind of learn more to play by ear. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can understand the theory to a point and get the mathematics of it, but if it sounds wrong, it sounds wrong. If it sounds right, it sounds right, and that's how that's how I do it mm-hmm. all the time. Um, you know, whether, whether it's on the beat, and you know, whether I'm whether I'm sort of like half beating or, or stuff like that. I mean, I'm I'm always counting when I'm playing as well. Which, yeah, which that's is, that's that's when you know you're you're really comfortable is when you can sort of stop having those numbers in your head. I when I was doing ukulele, the, the day where I sort of stopped having to think about the rhythm of my hand was the best day. Mm-hmm. I'm always counting my head when it's something new. Yeah, of course. Know, and that's um, that's it. When once I'm comfortable with something, I don't need to. Um, I can just start adding my own take on it and add, adding an extra strum here and an extra strum there, or taking one away. It's um, it's just a really cool thing, you know. Doing music is, you know, really, really enjoyable and therapeutic. It you, is. You know. uh, I, I actually, I moved to New York this January, and I moved uh, to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, I, I had done original music in Boston with with this very good friend of mine who co-wrote the the single that I now have a music video for. Uh, but he moved to Nashville, and I moved to New York, so we sort of put our music on the back burner. And, uh, then this label angels like rebels that I'm on right now, 
had an open audition one day. Wow. And I thought, I'm not doing anything this afternoon. I miss singing my own stuff. I'll just go in and see what happens. And, uh, then my life really changed course. You know, there's, there's quite a lot of people on the uh, on the album as well, from what I see, and it seems to be very very focused on on original singer songwriters and, and and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that's something I really love about them. The the way it's working is they're trying to do this new model of of uh, music industry. Really, they're trying to do a thing where uh, the fans and also investors can put their money into individual artists that they like. Uh, and then they're, they're actually investors, you know, they have sort of a stake in that artist's career. And what that does is I feel like it, um, it follows more closely to what is happening in a lot of pop culture where people aren't following brands. They're following individual things that they like, mm -hmm. you know, they're following a podcast or a TV show that they like, and they're trying to do the same with music now where you can follow a artist rather than, you know, trust a label to pick people out for you. Yeah. And, and then that also allows the artists a lot more freedom because you can just sort of be the, the person or the, the music that you are and find the people that connect with it rather than try to market in this really broad way. I guess it also prevents you from becoming known for song, like one song, you know, kind, kind of like, Bon Jovi giving on a prayer. Everyone knows them <laughs> for that, and um, and um, and, um, and and their their other songs. Um, trying trying to think of another example. Uh, um, extreme, more than words. Yeah, they broke. There's in, sort of a lot of one hitters out they, there. They broke in this country Not with bon more than words, and um, that became the only the, the only thing that they were known for in the mainstream. Yet they did a lot of other crazy shit as well. Yeah, on, on their albums and still do. Yeah, it's 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 nice because the the label what they're doing is they're doing this this, this crowd investing round for us and uh, everyone who makes it past a certain point or a point that makes them interested in in keeping us around those people. Uh, are offered a record contract, and so yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot of people who are who are getting to sort of put a more complete version of themselves out to potential fans, potential listeners before you know being able to make a record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it sounds like a really good idea because I think, to be honest, the music industry right now so is is damaged beyond all recognition because <laughs> it seems to be in this country. I'm not sure if the same is true over there in the US. Probably in this country, if, if it's on X Factor, it gets the number one in the charts, you know, and it, and invariably it's just crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just been manufactured and, you know, the, the singer's not particularly very good or, or the singer's really good but the music's not very good. You know, it's just manufactured to to, to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. You know, well, there's such a fear, I think, in the music industry and in a lot of a lot of creative industries right now because the money is so weird, the money is so unexpected, the money isn't where it used to be. That they that there's so much fear. It's like, okay, we have to put all of our eggs into this basket, so we better make the eggs very generally likable rather than doing anything interesting with the eggs slash music slash film. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, sort of like back in the nineties, it was still sort of like, so, you know, a band like uh, Nirvana or Guns N' Roses could break through. Whereas mm -hmm. I don't think that sort of band would have as easy a time of breaking through now as it would have done back then because everything's become so, you know, damn syrupy and, you know, and sweet. There, there are definitely some some popular artists in in America, and I, I will admit I don't know the British music scene as well, who are doing really interesting stuff. But there is this sort of layer of sugar over the whole thing sometimes that is very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you, I mean, you look at someone like um, like Kesha, who I I really like her sort of silly party music. I think it's really well-written and smart, but she also has these beautiful acoustic songs. She has these gorgeous, gorgeous, interesting songs that her label never let her release because they, her brand was this other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's the whole problem right there. Brand. Yes. Everyone's got to have a brand and it's, you know, and it's sort of like, it's kind of like putting everyone into boxes and and it just doesn't work, you know, because it's so like it's stripping that person of their individuality and it's just, you know, it's horrible. Yeah. 
And let me tell you, as somebody who is trying to start a music career, it messes with your head too. It really does to, because you start thinking of yourself that way too, because it's so, it feels so necessary. So there are, there will be moments where I'll be posting something on, on Facebook or I'll, or I'll be thinking about, you know, what I'm going to wear to something. And I start thinking about what my brand is and it, it's a little scary <laughs> because it, it infiltrates your brain. And then you're like, Oh God, no, wait, hold on. I'm a person. I can, I, I, I can wear a different color if I want. That's mm. okay. Or is it, it gets very, it gets very strange in your own head. Cause you, you, you feel like you're not sure how you want people to see you. And you're also not sure how much you can control that. And you're also not sure how much you should be controlling that. Mm, it, you know, it sounds strange. I, I couldn't live that way. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like um, you know, I always say, I always say to people when, when, when they say, um, would you ever want to be famous? And said, no, just give me the money. <laughs> You, should, there we go. You know, I, 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 you know, I'll take the money, but someone else can have all the fame and 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 all the adulation because I, I just couldn't be doing with that. Yeah, you know. It's, I mean, I'm I'm definitely you know, fame isn't an end goal for me. It's not why I'm why I'm writing or why I'm playing music. But uh, of course, it's in the back of your mind when you're when you're making art publicly. Is that you know this 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 could go somewhere. And so I guess what I've been trying to do, I'm not sure how well it's working. I hope it's working is that I've been trying to be very myself from the start so that I don't have to backtrack no matter what. Yeah. I don't have to go back on whatever I've, whatever Frankenstein of myself I've created mm-hmm. later and say, actually, I'm more like this. I'm just sort of trying to lay it out there now. And if nobody likes it, okay. But if they do like it, then I get to keep living as myself. And that, that sounds like a good, good idea because, you know, there's so many, you know, there's so many people that put on put on a front, and yet mm. when 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 their fans actually get to meet them, that that those fans are so disappointed because maybe that person's you know they call that person on a bad day and they've been a complete asshole or something yeah. like that. You know, whereas I think if you're if if you kind of stay true to yourself and and whatnot, you know, so like this next chance of you disappointing uh, fans and and stuff like that, you know, yeah. And, and I think it makes makes someone probably genuinely more likable. I hope. I mean, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I I I really do enjoy being uh, you know a musician who who wants to hang out with sci-fi websites. That's fun for me. I love that. What what I love about Smash, you know, you know, is that he's very true to himself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he's very real and and very likable. So I mean, when you see him interviewed, he's very chilled out and relaxed and very likable. I mean, if you even look at the interviews back back in the day when he was. Um, you know, smashed out of his mind on drugs and alcohol. He's still very likable. <laughs> That's the measure of a true likable person. You know, they're out of their head on God knows what. Mm. Are they still fun? Yeah, nice. he's hilarious. Whereas, song I could. <laughs> You know, and that's and that's the thing. You know, you sort of like you get these people to go on X Factor, and all of a sudden, they you know, once they have success, they become sort of like um, really. I don't know. They they seem very different somehow. I I can imagine though, if you're in a machine like that, uh, you know, the 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 idea of getting your head messed with is magnified a million million times because mm-hmm. you've got twenty people around you at any given moment trying to shape you into this marketable thing. That's a I I can't that I can't imagine I can't imagine coming at it from that kind of angle where there's so much money involved and there's so many people involved and so many eyes on you from the start crazy yeah it's I I actually auditioned for the voice once yeah yeah I uh, I got a I got a call back and then I (laughs) tanked it I was so nervous during the callback I totally tanked uh but I'm I'm okay with that at this point because I I like where I've ended up but I sometimes I wonder what would have happened if I'd, you know, gone further and become part of a a, a giant engine like that. What Song I right would have there. ended up being. Song right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um a friend of my sister's, um she's kinda like um my sister's irritating friend because I don't particularly like her. Oh, okay. Uh <laughs> she's you know, she's got a brilliant soprano voice. And she actually auditioned for the X Factor and, you know, didn't get through the, prelimin- the preliminaries. And she didn't mm. tank it or anything like that. She was good. 
It was just, um, I'm ge- I, my guess is maybe she was too sort of like, um, she's very, very in-your-face sort of person and very, very in control. And I've got a feeling that that might have gone against her. You yeah, know, I mean, it, you never know what they're looking for. Well, so I think they're looking for a certain look. They're, they're kind of looking for the... Uh, you know, for the teenage, the teenage boy that or, or the twelve-year-old girl is going to fall in love with and have mm-hmm. have on their walls and, and and stuff like that. You know, I will say actually, I know someone who's on The Voice this year. Shout out to Brayden Sunshine, who is a teen boy who is on The Voice, and he's really wonderful. I'm actually very happy for him because he's 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 very as we were talking about, sort of authentic and really himself and very kind and sweet and. That's you see that when he's performing, and it's really cool to watch him go from this kid I knew at a at a theater several years ago into this incredible grown up singer mm-hmm. well, who's do, also still really goofy and wonderful. Well, you do get a few 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 people on on these programs that actually are quite authentic and have the you know their own their own sort of like voices and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think the voice is, is good for that Compa- compared to a lot of those shows. It, it really cult- wants to cultivate artists. Yeah, it's a voice the one where they, they kind of like blind audition and the judges are, you know, back, the judges' backs are to the singers. Yeah, they do the, yeah. with the big red button and they turn around and they're like, oh, you're this. Yeah, ah. I prefer that to I prefer that to the X Factor, you know, because mm. it's, um, it's, it's, it's less focused on, on, on how the person looks and how the person presents you know, physically, and it's more more about the person's voice, and that, that's why I like it, you know. Yeah. They do have American X Factor as well. Mm-hmm. Simon Cowell's on it, too. Yeah, that guy should be shot. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I swear to God. My God. <laughs> you know, you know, we should shoot him with a Nerf gun. There we go. You know, you know sort of like, um, maybe knock him in a dark room somewhere. <laughs> thing a couple of years ago where some people got so fed up with Simon Cowell ruling the the Christmas number one. Wasn't this a thing in Britain where they they, they got so many people to buy Rage Against the Machine? Yeah, and they got they to took one. over the number one. Got Didn't to that number one. Yep. I love that. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then they did it the next year with John Cage. Mm-hmm. And I remember I bought the John Cage song. I bought, what is it, 433? Mm-hmm. Whatever the silent song is. I bought that song to try to help out the charts. I bought about 50 copies of Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> You're very dedicated. I, I, like, I, was, I was giving them out. Cowl. I was giving them out for Christmas, you know, so sort of like, uh, <laughs> you know, copies of, you know, Rage Against the Machine, digital copies. And there you go. Happy Christmas. Yeah, Grandma. <laughs> Listen to that. Have some you Rage know. Against the Machine. There you go, oh. Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is what your this is what your daughter's listening to now. <laughs> you know, it's just so like one of those things. But yeah, um, yeah I, I just um, I, I rail against popular music. You know, it's, it's just you know I prefer more authentic stuff yeah. that, that's going on. You know, I will admit I I love a good top forty song though. That's the thing is that. I, I I don't always like the end, the machine of it. I don't always like sort of what it does to the artists, especially I'll say the female artists, especially what they have to go through. Mm-hmm. But gosh darn it, do I love it when an Ariana Grande song comes on? I really do. Yes. I, I I will I will dance around. I will walk down the street skipping along to Ariana Grande. It's got I, it's so good. fun. It's got to be a really good top forty song now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, there's a lot uh, I can't listen to, but the, the, the good stuff. Pharrell Williams and Happy <laughs> a few years no. back. Um, Not I liked it initially, um, for and, then about, it, and then then they kind of played it to death. And I, I I thought, is this some sort of form of musical Chinese water torture? <laughs> <laughs> it really was everywhere. That that is the problem with a lot of these songs is that they're actually really awesome and well structured and interesting, and there's some cool stuff going on with them. Actually, I have a friend who does a a really interesting YouTube show where he'll break down a pop song to sort of talk about the elements of it that are really unique. You know, um, he did one about uh, uh, Dark Horse, the Katy Perry song, uh-huh. which is actually structured in a in a fascinating way um, with verses and choruses. There's this there's really cool structural things happening, but you never know because once you hear it for the thousandth time, all you want to do is smash. 
your computer and turn it off because it's just so <laughs> omnipresent everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these songs, a lot of a lot of these pop songs are, are gorgeously structured, and there's a lot of really cool stuff in them. They just get overplayed. Yeah. Um, talking about songs, have you seen Jessica Jones yet? No, I haven't. I I need to sit down. I, I I know the second I start watching it, I am going to not leave my house until it's done. And so I need to, I think I might watch it. Uh, I'm going to DC for Thanksgiving. I think I might just, you know, I might download it all um, from, from iTunes or, or whatever and, and, and watch watch it on the train there. You need to watch that. You know, talk about uh, yeah. an in-charge so female character who's flawed and messed up beyond all possible recognition. You know, there's so much going on with that character that she's likable, but she's, you know, but she's a complete asshole. (laughs) You know? Those are my favorite people. And I, it's, it's, it's so nice to see, even in the trailers, you can see it. It's so nice to see uh, a woman on TV who's clearly a woman and dealing with the things that women have to deal with. And, And there's obviously this very particular set of threats that come along with, 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 um, David Tennant's character and, and, there oh absolutely there's some gender God. stuff involved there. But they, she's not just a female character. She's she's well rounded and her flaws aren't based on her gender and and she's she's messed up and dark and she's not they're not precious with her. It's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. But David Tennant in this show, you know, um, you, 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 you sort of like, you're gonna be thinking to yourself, why have they not hired him to play the master? <laughs> because That's... he's so evil. Oh, in the show, he's he's so evil, and yet he's still Doctor. You, you still recognise him for his Doctor Who stuff, sort of thing. But he's so like he's so the anti Doctor Who in this show that it's, it's unreal. But I've seen him in, I, okay. I've, I've seen him play the heavy in 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 stuff prior to him doing Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so I, I've always known he's capable of it. But, but yeah. in this, if you if you're a Doctor Who fan and Doctor Who's the only thing that you know him for. You know, and you see see him in this. You you, you just you, you, your jaw is just going to drop right to the floor because he's such an evil, sadistic bastard in it. Honestly, that's one of the parts that I'm most excited about. Um, <laughs> the Master's always been my favorite Doctor Who character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, as as you saw earlier, I have a Last of the Time Lords poster on my wall. It's my favorite episode. I love what uh, John Sims did. Johnson did, and. Um, so, so it's really, I'm very excited to see David Tennant, who I think even when he was the doctor had this sort of darkness in him, like see sort of the full blown extent of what he can do. That's, that's kind of what I'm, besides Jessica Jones herself, of course, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Well, you know, the, you know, the, the, the villain kill grave that he like plays is sort of like purple haze in a comic book. Um, yeah. Does he have purple skin in the comics? I, I think. I think he had, kind of has an aura of purple around him. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've not re- actually read the comics. I just read read up on on them a bit before watching the show. Yeah, I um, read a lot of comics, but I haven't gotten into the Jessica Jones stuff yet. I read a lot of Marvel, but I've been um, reading a lot of current Marvel. Uh-huh. So she's not super present right now in a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. especially with um, with Secret Wars and and everything. There hasn't been, at least that I've seen, a ton of Jessica Jones. I might just be missing whatever book she's in. I was reading, but she's not super present. I was reading an old Nick Fury book the other day from, you know, from prior to, it was kind of like the, uh, the, the, the prime Marvel universe, the white Nick yeah, Fury. Yeah, white Nick Fury in, in the 616 universe. Yep, and I swear to God, you, you read him and you wonder how they get away with it because he's like his complete misogynistic, alcoholic asshole. <laughs> well, the stuff they got away with... You know, thirty years ago in comics, it's it, it boggles the mind now. You know, like I, I thought it was so interesting how they were trying to deal with having Hank Pym as a hero in their movie, considering he's like a canonical Janet hitter. Mm-hmm. He abused his wife, and in you know, if you take the Ultimates universe, he is a complete psychopath. Yep. I thought it was interesting that they had they kind of had to put Hank Pym in that movie, but they also were trying to deal with. This character's really not the guy that we wish he was, that we wish we had in our in our back catalogue. He's he's really he's really there's a there's a lot of darkness there. He's mean. <laughs> he's mean I I don't like Hank Pym. I don't like him. Yeah. I like the Michael Douglas version. He was adorable, obviously. Yeah. But comic book Hank Pym 
is one of my is 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 one of the characters I just I just get mad at every time so, I see him. So do you like the Ant Man movie? I really did. I, I did. I, I liked it a lot more than honestly. This as as a total Marvel loyalist, this is going to sound bad, but I liked it a lot more than I expected to like it. Mm, I I didn't really know much about Ant Man other than I, I'd read in, I'd read about him in in an, in an original Avengers comic mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, like like original like old school Scarlet Witch. Yeah, sort of that sort know. of thing, and I. I'd read the uh, I read read in the Ultimates as well, and I'd seen him in the Ultimates cartoon movies um, that they did. And you know, so I went in I, I went in to see the film with quite low expectations. I wasn't really expecting that much from it, and I went out happily surprised and um, and mm-hmm. and you know quite relieved really that I'd actually spent my money and had seen a seen, seen damn good film. Um, but it was sort of like it was it was the um, it was his mate that he was working with the you know the crook that he's working with yeah his, his his crew of, of criminals yeah, his crew of criminals but the main guy that he was working with initially the um, the Hispanic guy yes oh god oh, I'm blanking on his name he was hilarious. <laughs> I love that actor is really wonderful. I am completely blanking on his name, but he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that whole that whole um, the whole supporting cast in that movie. I thought Evangeline Lilly did a really great job. I'm so psyched for what they are hinting at doing with her next. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see Wasp on screen. I love I love Wasp, and I know it's not Janet Wasp, but I'm very excited to see that. Okay, it's funny because you said you originally went into acting and theatre. Yeah, I did. Me too. I still do sometimes. Um, I did a play earlier this year um, uh, that was that was based on on real interviews with with people in, involved with and and um, who experienced the the tragedy at Columbine. Mm-hmm. And playing uh, the Christian youth counselor of one of the girls who was killed, and I remember having to to drink a ton of water before every show because these tears would just come out, and I wouldn't be able to stop. And I would just, I would, I would be so dehydrated by it. It, it sounds like a joke, but it actually that was how it felt. Yes. It was like I couldn't control it because it, you know, you, once you connect to something like that, it's it's really hard to let it go. Uh, when I was in college. Uh, this is one of my this is one of my favorite things to know about myself or or what I do in in music and, and theater. I had a friend who I was just sitting having lunch with him and and he said, "You know, I'm thinking about your type. I don't think you're an ingenue. I don't think you're a, a matron or a or a kooky lady. I think your type is girl with problems." <laughs> what man was that supposed to mean? <laughs> I I still am not sure, I mean, but I'm just gonna roll with it. You know, I, I'd actually love to meet a girl that doesn't have problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then again, yeah. I'd probably be bored. <laughs> I I think if a girl doesn't have problems, she is lying mm. or a robot, which would be fun as well. Well, Emily, thanks for being being our guest on the show today. It's been great having you on. Uh, fun fact: Before we go, if you don't mind, sure. Uh, I, when I graduated from college, uh, I was given by my cousin the gift of San Diego Comic-Con tickets to go with her mm-hmm. to Comic-Con. And I dressed up as the master, the, um, season four version. So I just, you know, I had black pants, a black hoodie, and I went to a pet store and bought a red dog collar <laughs> And a bl- and I had a blonde wig, and I I had bought a blow up toclafane that I found on eBay, and so that was my costume. And I have this very strong memory of being in this pet store and having to try the dog collar on and turn to them and be like, "It's it's for Comic Con, I, I swear." <laughs> Um, but that was fun. And then I went to New York Comic Con this year and and did a like a femme Winter Soldier thing, which is really fun. You're braver than me. I'd never go to a comic convention dressed up as anything. I'd just go as myself. Oh, you know? I, I love it. I yeah. If I could wear that Winter Soldier costume every day and still be able to, you know, have a life, yeah. I totally would. I don't mind... That robot arm is my favourite thing in the world. I don't mind dressing up if I'm doing a piece of theatre. Yeah. Know, if it's in that sort of environment. But if it's Comic-Con or something like that, I just can't can't bring myself to do it. So I can... But I've got a lot of admiration for other people that do that are brave enough to do it, you know? Well, it's, yeah, it's, 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 I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a performer, so dressing up and wanting to get a lot of attention sadly comes very naturally to me. 
Well, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of former, but I can't turn it on and off like that, you know. Yeah. I can't kind of um, I kind of want to perform, then run off and go into my little home and you know ching out. <laughs> That's fair, and I'll have those days too. But I think for the most part, you know, only child performer, singer, actor. It's it's a lot of you have to you have to figure out a way to be comfortable in front of a bunch of other people, no matter what time of day, which is it is hard. Sometimes, but it's it's a job. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, thanks for being being our guest on the show today. Thank you so much. I had the most fun. But there's love. But there's love. But there's love isn't gone. Isn't gone. And that brings to a, a close uh, our show for this week. Um, as I said, um, on Tuesday of this week, um, we will most likely have our uh, Christmas special episode, which is somewhat of um, a recurring tradition. Um, I'm amazing that we I'm amazed that we actually managed to uh, you know go over new stuff um, each and every year, but somehow we do. And then in on the week leading up to New Year, we have the uh, year in review, which we've not even, even recorded yet. We'll be recording that real soon, and we hope that have that ready for you on the week building up to the New Year. So, without further ado, I'd like to thank everyone involved with SFP now and Sci-Fi Pulse Radio this year. I'd like to thank Marks for his continued support with Genre Entertainment. I'd like to thank Sean, our uh, sound editor, who helps us out a lot. Um, you know, fr- from the kindness of his own heart as well. I mean, so I'm like, all you have to do is send him some bacon flavor crisp, and he's anyone. <laughs> anyway, that's about it for this year. We wish you um, a merry Christmas and um, you know a prosperous 2016. So that's us for now. Goodbye. Yeah.